switch. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of Sketchy Ideas, the live video point counterpoint podcast where Michael and I illustrate, debate concepts surrounding leadership, business, personal development, health, movies, you name it. We talk about it, why it's important, how to help you get better. And we want to make sure you think twice before implementing that brand new thing you just found on the internet. Hi, I am Brad James. <laughs> and I am Michael Rambola. And I am live from my car today because it's been a wonderful week. Uh, but before we dive into our topic, which we're going to take, if you were watching last week's episode, we're diving into now taking how you take that gut decision making and build in understanding of data and value of data and how to add value to your data in order to help you make those gut decisions. But before we do that, a word from our sponsors. Over to you, Michael. For business owners responsible for the success of their organization, Spirity offers the one application-driven business transformation system that aligns everything that you're doing in your organization to the things that really produce value. There's a lot of things that feel good. We wanna make sure that you're doing the things that really are good for you and your business. How do we figure out what those things are? Let us show you how. The, the Spirity Business Transformation System gives you insight into the data that will validate those gut decisions and tell you whether your magic or the data is. One way or another, we're gonna help you get to a better outcome. Reach out to us at spirity.com for more information. And just remember that when you're running a business, you don't have to do it all by yourself. Uh, I've learned that firsthand, uh, dealing with some, some issues in this last week. You can rely on others, especially my close friend over at Cream City Marketing. Aaron has been phenomenal this week in the literally the uh, looking into the flames of chaos um, and helping me make sure that all the business stuff is moving forward. So if you're one of those people running a business and you're struggling to figure out marketing and some of the tools around the tactics to make stuff happen and you're having trouble organizing it or you're in a jam, do me a favor, get in touch with Aaron over at Cream City Marketing at Aaron at CreamCityMarketing.com. All right, with that, here we go. Let's dive in. All right. So last week, Michael, you and I really talked a lot about um, gut check decisions and how it works, why it works, why gut check, check decisions are important. Yep. But at the same point in time, understanding that our gut is far from perfect. Far so from, yeah. Do you, do you want to give us a little bit of a recap so then we can, we can frame it for our audience this week? Absolutely. So remember, folks, when we talk about gut decisions, what we're really talking about is operating from your intuition. And your intuition operates from pattern recognition. Now, how much you can trust your pattern recognition is based on the quality of your experience and the familiarity of the context. If you are mm -hmm. operating in a familiar context and you have good quality experience in that context, then your ability to recognize the patterns of that context and apply them to the new situation is high. If, however, one of those other two things is not true, or if you delusionally believe it's true and it's not, you're putting your decision outcomes at risk. 
Why does this matter? Because there are a lot of things that look like positive patterns. We call them vanity metrics. They feel good, they look good, but are they good? Um, see also most bad habits, right? It feels good. <laughs> it, might, it might even look good at the time. Like, oh, I don't know, cookies. Look good, feel good, taste good, are good, to be determined. So that pattern recognition is good when it's based on good data. But when it's not based on yeah. data, I'm looking at the wrong things, the things that don't produce value, that's when that gut might be leading me towards cookies um, and not quinoa. Apparently, that's where I should be eating. I don't know where that, thanks, Freud. I don't know where that one came from. Cookies <laughs> or quinoa? I, uh, especially, so So the other part of this, for those of you who are recalling last week's episode, is that in an age of noise right now where we're constantly getting information, your gut check and those vanity metrics become less valuable. And so that's why today Michael and I were like, okay, let's find a way to connect the dots. There are ways to simplify and measure the value of your data, okay? Um, here's Here's... A little backstory. I want to. I want to share this with you. Um, in in a previous endeavor, I ran a financial services practice. What that meant is that you were basically driving uh, the activity on dials, reaches, and sets were the start of the activity. And then, if you just ran that, you would get to a point. But the thing is, is at some point, the value of the dials, reaches, and sets towards the next set of stats, which we were tracking, which was the type of meeting how many uh, referrals we were getting, et cetera, like all of those other metrics that went along with it, added the layer of value to that initial activity metrics or the vanity metrics that Michael's talking about. So when we look at vanity metrics, vanity metrics, we're not saying vanity metrics are bad. Vanity metrics are what give you your initial activity that allows you to begin tracking the the rank or the wealth or the value of that activity. So for example, if you're trying to build a marketing campaign and you're looking at likes, loves, follows, those types of things, those are great, but you have to measure the quality then of each of those things. So that's where then you begin to measure engagement, responses back and forth, interactions, uh, and then tying it to follow-up activity, which tends to be great. Did they message us and did we start a conversation? So without, without losing everybody on that stuff, I wanna make sure that we can understand that there are two layers to this initially. And the third layer that we start getting into is the conversion layer. So in sales, we look at activity of dials, reaches and sets. Then we layer in the activity of fact finder closes, referrals, uh, meals. And then the third piece is then you're going to generate amount of revenue or conversion metric on the back end. So when we're looking at data, we have to look at each of these three layers of data to give us actually if our initial activity and vanity metrics are providing and driving to the conversion data that we're looking for. So whenever anybody's saying and talking about data and why it's so important, yes, the vanity is important because that's your showing up to the game. So when Michael and I talked about this and setting this up, we use the game of baseball. Um, do you remember that conversation, Michael? Very well. I thought it was excellent. Let's let's go there. <laughs> so 
if you're a sports fan like I am, and uh, I'm a Cubs fan, um, so if we if we look at if we look at things like Moneyball or what Theo Epstein did with the Cubs, um, for all of you Brewers fans out there, you also had a brilliant individual build your data platform for you to monitor your talent. Um, they're all running off of data. If you follow the basic Moneyball concept, they were saying, okay, this archaic data of uh, batting average um, was was archaic because it was essentially saying every time I get up to bat, if I didn't get a hit and that average was low, I was not a good player in terms of offense. So the whole Moneyball concept is I don't care about their batting average. I care about if they get on base and have a good at bat. So getting on base can be done one of three ways. You can get a hit, which gives you your batting average. You can take a walk, um, which means some of they pitched you four balls, which means you added up pitches on the pitcher's end, or you could get hit by a pitch, right? Which is the least preferred of the, the items. And then on top of that, they said, great, on base percentage is good. The next layer that the next metric we need to look at is also then uh, slugging percentage. Slugging percentage being uh, what is the likelihood of me getting uh, on base, but on base in a, in a scoring position, which means second or third base or a home run. Um, so they were looking at those types of things rather than looking at just straight getting on base. Because runs and RBIs are really the conversion metric that we're talking about here. So you have to look at all of the data you're monitoring inside of your company in a way that you're looking at each layer. The initial activity of getting out up to bat, then the type of at bat that you have, which then gets you on base, and then the level of where that on base gets you. Is it to first base, second base, third base, or home? All of those things come into play. So that's where we're at with this whole thing. So uh michael yeah all right let me let me pull it back and translate so what yeah. i'm hearing is batting average is an easy number everybody everybody can almost anybody could calculate that it's a very simple metric it's very obvious yeah. and intuitive i can calculate it into at the individual level very easily because it's what did that individual do in their individual performance this time plus and you know averaging out the other times right yes that's basic batting average but it's only telling me one part of this whole story and just whether or not I got on base doesn't tell me whether or not I got a point. I right. crossed that home plate, which is like, did I get likes and loves? Did I get deals and reaches and sets? Yeah. Are you closing any money out of it? Meh. If I don't, if, 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 if my, if I'm great, if I'm a bit, let's pretend that I have a 66% batting average. That means two out of three at bats. I end up on a base. That's awesome. Then you're in the Hall of Fame. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. One out of three. That's a realistic number. I know, but 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 let me make a point. I'm in the Hall of Fame for my batting average. But guess if I never cross home plate, that's a problem. Yeah, that's a problem. Am I a value yep. add player if all I do is get on base and then prevent anybody else from getting on base after me, or anybody else crossing home plate after me? If I never cross home plate, that means I'm a bottleneck for everybody behind me no matter what my batting average is, right? Yep. That's a problem. Yep. So you yep. can't look at these metrics in isolation. As important as it is to have a good batting average, basics, it's important that we understand the, what happens next and the other subtle nuances of that. Likes and loves, great. Are they leading to activity? 
important and necessary next step in the conversation, which I'm going to take back into the original context of social media. Okay, we've heard the term influencer. I don't love the term, especially don't love it because it's actually totally misapplied. Okay. The idea of an influencer comes from before influencers were a thing. It was, it was a, asking this question, whether or not you have followers and likes and loves and all that, are people taking action based on your content? And yeah. that was a metric that once we realized was a totally different conversation from likes and loves, actually rose, gave rise to the concept of being influential. And then somebody co-opted that into being an influencer. And now an influencer has, has nothing to do with value, has everything to do with vanity. Personal yep. opinion, because anybody can call themselves an influencer when they have a big following. But I want to know if I'm going to spend my my ad dollars with you or have you sponsor my thing. Are people actually doing anything as a result of your endorsement? If not, you've got a great batting average, but you're not getting me any any scores across home plate. And that's not a good use of my budget, whether it's marketing or right. selling. Yep. Yep, exactly. Um I think so. So if we look at it from a different standpoint, and, and I want to and want to do this for all of you who are not trying to be influencers out there, even though if you're awesome, like Michael, he's, he's growing a huge following on his social media. You should all go, fo go follow him on Instagram. At Michael Spirity, right? Right. That's your Instagram yeah, handle. Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Go, go follow him at Michael Spirity. Uh, and then you, then you can make him an influencer. Maybe he'll, he'll rep your next uh, clothing line for you um, uh -huh. or cool hats. Uh, but if you're a small that. business owner, here, here's where I'm going with this. Social media data, it's all great. A lot of you who are doing sales are not evaluating the level of your activity in sales the right way. That's true. Okay. That's so true. you've got, you've got listed there, uh, Michael. Can you just walk through that for, for me? Yeah, I did dials, reaches, sets. Then you talked about yep. uh, fact finders, referrals, and all those other things, which is getting us into qualifications, conversions, and closes, that kind of idea. Like tier yeah. one. So when we right? basically high level. Right. Yep. So when we when we look at dials, reaches, and sets, the big thing that I want to make sure people understand is um, dials, reaches, and sets are you getting up to base? But that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to translate into fact finders, closing meetings, meals, and referrals, which gives you a point total. So we take those types of meetings and tie them to a point total that fits your business so that every week you're hitting a certain amount of specific activity that is tied to a point total. So you need both. You need to show up, to, you need to show up which is that dials, reaches, and sets for the next week, but then your sales activity values are built on the uh, the type of meetings that you're having, the referrals you're getting. And the goal is depending on the amount of activity you need to build your business, then we begin to average out and figure out what is the point total you need. So for example, in the financial services practice, we were shooting for a point total of 25 to 35 points. And in a different business right now, I'm looking at um, significantly less points. It's closer to 15 points. But the thing is, is that out of that 15 points means I'm actually growing a scaling business and can scale a sales team around it. So right. now everybody is trying to get those points around that 15 points. And that's what leads to the next level, which is the conversions aspect of things. Because so, you've already identified that that's the points needed to get successfully to the next step. 
Yes. Yeah. So it's like exactly. it's like checkpoints. Like I'm I'm picturing, what was it? Oh man, there was there, okay. There was this video game that we all used to love playing at least back in I think it was Argen, where it was it was the first time you actually could like do a sit down driving game, and it was it was all about you had to hit the checkpoint. If you could get across the checkpoint by the time the time ran up, you got to run the next leg of the of the race. It was all about the checkpoint, and if you missed one checkpoint, your whole race was over like racing USA or something. I'm going to blank on the name, but I remember the checkpoint concept. And the whole point was, right. if you're not fast enough to this point, you're never going to be fast enough to get to the next point. If you're not at least this many at-bats, how, how are you ever going to get on base? If you're not getting a base, how are you going to score? If you're not getting this many Dallas reaches and sets, you'll never get tier two and you'll never get to tier three. Yeah, so let's, can we, let's also take this to another area of the business. Um, for a lot of you, out there, I know one of the challenging things is looking at the basic level of data and the quality of that data is looking at uh, your profit and loss or cash flow statements or those types of details, okay? And I bring this up because it's easy to focus on that initial activity, but really what you need to focus on and be aware of is your profit and loss sheets, your cash flow statements. Those are your conversions. Yep. So what I, if, if you're trying to understand those pieces, some of the things I tell people to look at first, forget assets, liabilities, let's, let's regulate it down to a language that everybody understands. Um, look at how much money is coming in every week. Look at how much money is going out every week. If you do those things, you can begin to work backwards to figure out what those other numbers need to be. The reason you need these three layers of numbers though is to get is to be able to understand exactly the activity, how many times you need to get up to bat in order to generate that amount of revenue each week so that you are making money. Right. So from a why standpoint, all right, everybody has some sort of overhead, whether you believe it or not. And sometimes you're, you're not understanding that. So that's step one. And I'm bringing this up because we're going to have somebody very special with us at uh, the sketchy soiree coming up at the end of the month so that you are going through a workshop to begin to figure out how some of that stuff works, what it looks like, um, how it all makes sense. For those of you who are maybe a little bit at the next level, we're also going to do a, a short workshop on CRMs and sales activity for you and how to tie that into your conversion metrics so that you better understand what those details all mean for you. Um, at the end of the day, data is extremely important and it is almost more important right now in a world of gut check data, you know, making those gut check decisions. But you need the data to measure how well your gut is working, which goes back to how we calibrate our gut from last week. Exactly right. So if we're looking at all of these details and we understand that at the root of any business, you have money coming in and money going out you can begin to measure those details. You just have to begin to learn as a skill over time what each of those different things mean and how to make it worthwhile for you. Right. And I think that that's important because at the very least, yeah, whatever data you're collecting, well, okay, let me, let me actually, I'm putting a caveat on my statement before I even finish it. Sometimes you're going to be collecting data that you don't know what to do with yet. But I guarantee you, if you don't collect it, once you figure out you needed it, it's too late to go back and get it. Yes. So always, always is. And if and if you try to go back and get it, odds are 
you're not going to know where to find it or what it even means because it's not going to make any sense to you. And right. when you do go back and get it, you're going to go, I'm going to throw it out anyway. Yep. So when in doubt, collect more data. I was working with one of my clients yesterday, um, they were looking at their ticketing system. They do IT work and they're not capturing right now open time and close times of each individual ticket. They're just of, of uh, each step on the ticket. They're just capturing the overall ticket. Well, that data is something, but it's not everything. And until they turn on the other two data points to capture, they won't have enough captured data to do, to do anything with. So capturing it, before, even if you don't think it's going to be a valuable piece of data later, capture it as you're creating it. And then you'll have that data later when and if you need to do something with it. But if you don't capture it in the moment, that data might just be lost. And basically you're operating right. at that point. So when in doubt, yep. capture more data, even if you don't know what to do with it yet. And that's going to take me to another point, which is something I just, I kind of hit upon yesterday. Your gut, back to our calibrating your gut, which Brad just alluded to, calibrating your gut is also about reducing something that we've nicknamed the delusion gap. There's a gap between reality like and your perception of it. We, we've nicknamed it the delusion gap. How do you close the, and here's, the, here's why this matters. You're going to make a decision from your perception because it's all you can do. You're going to make a decision based on how you perceive the situation in the world. You can't make a decision from reality because there's no way for you to know all of it. The question is, how close is your perception to reality? Size of said gap, delusion gap. You can close the delusion gap with better My data. perception is my reality. That's accurate. It's not <laughs> reality. It's just your reality. Certainly not mine. I'll tell you that much. Ah. Ah. So the, the goal and the idea here is how do we reduce that gap with good data? So good data mm -hmm. reduces delusion gaps. I'm saying that again. Good data reduces delusion gaps. It brings your perception closer to reality. And wouldn't you like to make a decision based on a better understanding of reality? Well, okay, are, I think are you, are you assuming you would. Are you saying my delusion gap is like the Grand Canyon? I, I would not even begin to measure it, Brad. I'm not saying anything about its size. I'm just saying I don't even want to try to start measuring it. I don't think I have properly, speaking of calibration, I don't think I have properly calibrated tools to measure the size, scope, depth, and breadth of your particular delusion gap. I know I can't measure my own. I'm, I'm literally a part of it. So um, based on um, how, you know, what is it? The uh, I can either observe the motion or the position of, a, of, an, of an atom. It's like, I, I, can't, I can't measure me. I, I just know, I know it exists. I just don't know how big it is. My delusion gap. I think what he's saying, friends, I think what he's saying is that I have a very delusional mindset right now, and he's very uh, accurate and precise. I would so, never in other words, say that. He's trying I'm to use, he's use rationalization and science to try and explain a way that for some reason he thinks I'm crazy. It's no, okay. I would, never, I would never use that word. I am not mm. properly credentialed to use You're right. that. You'd use you'd use high vocabulary that people like me get lost in yep. in order to confuse me some more. Yep. Yeah. That's right. Okay. That's a technique. Thanks. Welcome. Thanks, Michael. Absolutely. Uh, okay. So where we put, so let, let me kind of hit the highlights here. So we said, how do we turn vanity metrics? Bring it vanity home. Metrics? But I think the idea bring is it that, home. bring it home, bring it home, Brad. I think the idea is that we need both. You do need to know, the vanity metrics, the upfronts, the likes and the loves, they give you part of the story, but not all of the story. And if you stop at that story, you're missing out on the real value to your business and the real accuracy of your perceptions to help you make better decisions and better calibrate 
your gut intuition. Um, I'm not saying cookies mm -hmm. or quinoa are better. I'm just saying you need to decide which one's more important to you. So know how much money is coming in versus how much money is going out. Better data, better decisions, better outcomes, um, and you know, better world. There. There. How are we going to make? All right. That's how we're going to save right. the world, Brad. We're going to save the world. How are we going to save the world? With you heard it here first. You heard it here first. Vanity metrics will save the world. All right, folks. All right, friend. Get us out of here, Go Brad. Go for it. You're up. Yeah, nope. Uh, yep. All right. Folks, you just learned all about vanity metrics, value metrics, um, and why cookies beat quinoa any day of the week. Um, we want to tell you, we want to say thank you for being here. Um, on behalf of Brad and myself, we thoroughly enjoyed you joining us for episode 55 of Sketchy Ideas. Please look out for the upcoming Sketchy Soiree because it's coming and it's going to be epic and it's going to be worth it. And we're excited to bring it to you because we know that you're excited to bring yourself to it, literally and metaphorically. How do you learn more about that? Watch our pages, watch our posts. I'm excited. I know you are too for what's coming up. Today, uh, oh, also want to mention thank you to our producers at uh, Cream City Media. We appreciate everything you do to make this show happen um, and make Brad happen every single day. Uh, we also want to say, <laughs> do you have any reach out to the show at info at sketchyideashow.com. Uh, and one of us will do our best to get back to you in a reasonable time frame. And uh, I think that's about it. And just remember, just because it's a sketchy idea, doesn't mean it's not worth exploring. We'll see you next week for more fun and games and cookies. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>